uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I hope you've been well. hope things are going really good. It's the middle of the week. It's that time of the week again, the Street Press Podcast. We drop episodes every Wednesday. If it's your first time here, my name is Sean Fraser. I'm a journalist. I'm a newsreader. I'm a musician. (laughs) I do a few things. I keep myself nice and busy. And uh, this podcast is all about the music industry. It's not just artists that we bring on, but we bring anyone on in the industry that wants to have a chat. And uh, I try to get as many episodes out a year as I possibly can. Uh, This week, we're doing a bit of a recap on an episode from the early days of the podcast, I think it was episode four with Tim Carr. I'll get to that in a tick. But firstly, I just want to talk about some of the new music, especially in the last week. There's some great music out at the moment. Uh, Green Day dropped their brand new record, Saviors. I've got to admit, I'm one of Green Day's biggest fans, but I've got to admit that over the years, I've sort of, I don't know, I haven't been listening as much as I used to listen to Green Day, but this new record... I'm really, really, I'm back in. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's called Saviors, and it came out a few days ago, and there's some great songs on there that remind me of sort of like the era of Green Day, which was between Nimrod and American Idiot. Uh, songs like 1981 that's on there, Dilemma is a great, great track. Um, but if you haven't checked that out, go and have a listen. If you're one of those fans of Green Day from the early days and you're like, oh, I hate all their new stuff, you might enjoy this new record. So uh, maybe give it a listen. Also, Neck Deep released a brand new record. They are a pop punk band from Wales. Uh, good friend Scotty, he got me onto Neck Deep. Their self-titled album came out just in the last couple of days and there are some absolute belters on there as well. But there is a band that I've just sort of stumbled upon, which I was like, I've got to play some of it on on my show because I really reckon these boys are phenomenal. They're a pop-punk trio from San Diego. They have such a cool Southern Californian beach sort of pop-punk rock sound. Um, And I heard them for the first time only just a couple of weeks ago and I've been hooked ever since. And they just dropped a new song called Tokyo. And have a listen to this. Sophistication is a drug and I want no part in it We roll around in the dirt like a couple of kids We don't need nothing or no one, we got all that we need And when I tell my friends no one Go 
on, check them out. Sitting on Stacy is the band name. That song is called Tokyo. That song, the single just came out a few days ago and they absolutely rip. And I can see just on their Instagram that there's a few, you know, heavy hitters in the industry that are starting to follow them. I saw that Scotty Russo has been following them from Unwritten Law. Striker, Ted Striker, he's a radio DJ over there. So there's a few eyes on them at the moment. They haven't really popped off just yet. I mean, on a worldwide scale, but they are selling out shows up and down the Californian coast. It's just a band that I stumbled upon and sometimes I can't help myself I've just got to play them and that song that band in particular did that for me so go and check them out sitting on Stacy before I get into the interview my band is playing this Friday night we're playing in Gosford on the central coast we are playing at the Gosford Leagues Club car park. It's right next to the Leagues Club. So if you want to come and see the Ritzy Kids in action, it's a free gig too. We're on stage, on the big stage, from 5.20 to 6 p.m. That's this Friday night. We've got uh, one more rehearsal to go, and then we are going ham and keen to get back up there. That's going to be our first gig back for 2024. It's going to be a big year for us, the Ritzy Kids. We've got a bunch of demos already ready to go. It's a matter of recording them, getting them out. There is whispers of an album, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. You can check out my band, The Ritzy Kids. That's in the link below. All right. I'm going to do a bit of a recap now. So this episode, we're going to play a bit of an interview with Tim Carr. He is a producer. He's an engineer. He's someone I've known for a few years. And this was from episode four of the Street Press podcast. I got two microphones. I jumped in the car and I went around to his house and I interviewed him. He's someone that I always wanted to have a chat with, even though we're like pretty good friends. Uh, I wanted to talk to him about his career in music, how he got there. He grew up in Orange. He made his way to the Big Smoke and he started just recording everyone he could on little tape decks and uh, four tracks, eight tracks, whatever he could get his hands on. Then he made his way into the big studio and eventually he recorded with Matt Corby. He was like his big fish. Uh, They recorded Brother together. So he... If you're Australian, you know that Brother was such a smash hit. I think it was 2011 when it came out. Matt Corby just burst onto the scene with this song and Tim Carr was in the room recording with him that day and they put down some fire. It is a great song, even to this day. It's one of those songs that, you know, it's timeless. Like you can hear it today and it sounds like a new song. It sounds like a song that should should be out this year. Um, But, yeah, I, I sat down with Tim. Who's one of the, I reckon, you know, in this industry, you can get some nasty people, you can get some great people, but then you can get guys like Jim Carr who care about music, they're not rude, they're not egotistical, they're there to help. And that encapsulates what Tim Carr is and what he wants to be and how he still is to this day. And he's helped record my, uh, one of my solo albums. We did the morning hours together and he also did the drum engineering. So he engineered the Ritzy Kids latest record, Walking Talking Mess. He is available to hire and he does great work. So let's get him on. This is my interview with Tim Carr. (laughs) Tim Carr, here we go. We 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 are live on the podcast Bit of a maze to get here uh, to your to your joint, suburban maze. <laughs> That's a nice joint you got here. It's a very good. Thanks, I built it myself. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah. The back, apartment block, the whole back thing. Back in 2016. Yeah, no. <laughs> Someone did. Taylor's Walk did, I guess. I tell you what, when I was on my way over here, I was thinking, you remind me of these really good burgers. <laughs> You know why? Okay, let, let me say why. I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> when um, we were recording together all those years ago, we used to go and get those really nice uh, southern fried yep, chicken burgers. Yep. Do you remember them? I do. I remember them. It's still a thing. It's still the holy grail for people. <laughs> yeah. So um, so whenever I someone says to me, oh, there's, there's a really good burger joint. Go check out this burger joint. And we could be anywhere. I could be up in Cairns. I could be in Melbourne, whatever. And every time I bite into it, I think about the best burger I've ever had and that was the burger that I always had with you. You, you think of me when you, every <laughs> yes. time you eat a good burger. Every, I like it. I like every it. time I have a burger. How have you been? What have you been doing? Well, I mean, look, I'm a reasonably boring creature. I, uh, I make music and I look after my kids. Yep. I try and be some type of husband for my wife. And that's what I've been doing, just making music and being a dad. And I wrote a lot through that pandemic uh, I saw, I think like this year I've come back to more just working. I haven't been writing as much. I mean, I also wrote a lot of my own stuff. I made a record with a really good mate of mine, Paul Conrad. And that was like a really kind of, we just both went in with nothing. And, you know, he'd play me some riffs and ideas and we kind of, you know, jam together and end up writing some cool stuff with him. There's definitely something since the pandemic started and there's a lot of people that are doing the home studio. Yeah. Um, sheerly because they were locked up for so long. But obviously then there's the other side of it and I always think about studios such as uh, One Flight Up where you work. Um, mm-hmm. When you're in a real studio with a real good producer, <laughs> that's when you get the the best comes out of you. The only thing is the, is the, is the cost of money. Yeah. Look, I think – and I think sometimes just that – um, constant thought about, you know, funds can really take away from the creativity and sometimes for some people it's better to scrap that little bit of extra professional or quality or whatever you want to call it and they're totally in their niche in their room and, you know, like, I mean, look at um, Flume. Like he blew up from his bedroom. I couldn't hear those songs any other way really. So I think it just depends on who you are and where you're at and what you're looking for. But I definitely think with like technology now, it's you can get really good stuff at home. I mean, I know people that make records at home that will bring it to me to mix, and I, I can't tell the difference. And I like to think my wow, ears so are some. Well, there's people out there that can really work the technology and don't need you know a million dollars studio can get a product in their bedroom that's competitive and I mean everyone like a lot of people are doing it these days yeah which yeah I mean for my industry is a little bit of a, another nail in the coffin but you learn to adapt you've got to like if you've got skills you can do anything especially now you find people that are super talented and can use these machines better than I can when I was recording with you in 2019 actually we recorded for like a, a solid year I think it feels like we were recording for a few years I don't know <laughs> my memory I mean like because we did it in blocks and I've we just did. mixed up since about 2016 we, I think we did it was such a great um, experience but there was, was one th- there was one thing that came out of that um, I, was, I started filming then like filming the experience and I remember I did this little video where I explained uh, you know you know what you do and how you've been helping me and whatnot I remember coming to the studio one day and you were like oh that was cool that you mentioned me in your video now my mum and dad know what I do (laughs) (laughs) yeah they still probably don't though (laughs) but there are people that um 
they might be listening to this podcast. Um, I mean, there's a lot of musicians that'd be listening to this podcast, but they'd just be yeah, average Joes as well, and mm. they'd be like, "What does the producer do?" Yeah, I mean, it's what I thought. Like, what could you possibly do? The band plays the song, and then you just listen to the CD, right? Yeah, and I, I suppose <laughs> we can we can explain that. I mean, uh, someone like me did come in. There was a lot of times I came in not prepared. It was almost basically over to you. Yeah, I mean, but look, that's what I do. So that's never like a curveball for me or anything. And it's nice, like if you've got 11, 12 songs and eight of them are completely thought out and you're like, here's three, you can have some fun. Yeah. I mean, that's always fun for me. I mean, it might not end up being the the way we go or it might completely reshape the record. I, I remember there'd be days where I'd come in and I'd be like, oh, I think we should just like redo the whole verse and the whole chorus and write new words and like, you know, and and you were always like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's part of the process though. I mean, that's the thing. You're doing it in a block and you feel like you've got to get it all done in five days or however many days you set aside. I mean, sometimes it's nice to put those limitations on yourself for sure, but it's not always the way. And if you've got that time, then you can reflect and be like, this is great, but if I could redo that verse because I think I've lyrically found a new spot that makes more sense or melodically I've found something in myself that I think would be a way better sell for the, the melody in the verse, then why not do it? Yeah. So, um, What got you into producing? So I did the band thing. I was in a band, like a, a sort of a hardcore band. And that's when it was like super serious for me though, ironically. Our guitarist had a really awesome jam spot that was just always set up. And I got a four track off a housemate. And I've slowly, slowly learned how to use that, just recording our jams. And that really piqued an interest for me. I think another friend wanted to make a demo and I recorded his demo for him and it actually turned out okay. And then another guy wanted a demo and it kind of started taking off and I thought, hmm. And they those jobs just keep coming. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how you just sort of, they tell someone else, mm, yeah, they yeah. tell someone else. Well, it's great, old school word yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, that, uh, I'm from like Orange, which is a reasonably small country town. Uh, it was then. It's a bit bigger now. It's got a bit of a bigger feel these days. But, um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't anyone really doing it. So, you know, of course, if you do one guy's demo and they show their friend, it's like, oh, I'll get a demo done. So it was kind of cool. I did feel like king demo guy for a little bit at the end there. You must think back on those days when you're working on a four track and you're only working with, you know, a couple of friends and then you sort of, you go on and you, you end up working with um, some of the best artists in Australia, not just Australia, but uh, around the world as well. I mean, you spent some time working with Matt Corby. I mean, you released a hit. With yeah, we did. We made a hit. That was cool. That was a, I mean, he probably saw it coming. I didn't. I was just there for the ride. Just a yeah. bit of fun. But So he's finished up the show. He was on a, on a singing show and then yeah. he's jumped in the studio to sort of recreate himself, I suppose. I think he, yeah. I think he didn't want to be the, the show guy, the guy that came off a TV show. And um, he's come to you with, with some, awesome songs in this EP. It was an EP, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, like, he obviously had more than an EP worth of songs, but there was a collection of songs that they collectively, like him and his team, were pretty settled on. And that was kind of, you know, do we want to weed those down to less? But I think they I think they all ended up the ones that everyone picked. But he's, I mean, you, you know, he's a mega talented dude. He can re, rebirth his, you know, sound whenever he wants. He kind of has for every record, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Credit to him. The song, brother. Mm-hmm. When you listen to it, it's it's so haunting, and I and I mean, he can he can make that song haunting on his own live, but there's something added to that in that mix, in that production. When you listen to it, 
just the way his voice mm. wails and, 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 the, and the space in yeah. that recording. I mean, we really lent into the space for all that record. We, we had like the old 301. We had the massive sort of live orchestral room. We wanted to really use that. We didn't want to use like fake reverbs if we could because we had this space. So we just had kind of mics everywhere because Matt is very mobile. He didn't really want to sit in one place. Yeah. And I think it placed third in Triple J Hottest 100. Like it was a huge song and yeah, ARIA nominated, yeah, right? Yeah, he won an ARIA for yeah. something, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I should follow all the stats and stuff. <laughs> I love more. that you. I well, love that you kind of know. Well, I mean, I know because you know you might get a phone call from someone like, "Oh, yeah. congratulations!" And you're like, what, what happened? No, I watched the Arias. I did watch the Arias because I was like, what, "Imagine if he wins, that'd be really cool." And he mm. did, and I was like, "He'll thank me." And he was just like, "Thanks to everyone, you know who you are." And I was like, <laughs> "I know who I am. It's fine." That was about the the height of me tuning in. I was like, "I'll never tune in again." Yeah. I don't need the heartbreak of not being not being. Yeah, no, I'm just. Oh, you got plenty of years to come. Yeah, you got just, plenty of songs to produce. But what changed for you after that? Everyone wanted a, a song like Brother. That's for sure. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely got a few like more label work after that. Um, it's hard because everyone expects like you're going to make them a, a hit, like an aria. And I mean, that wasn't what we were trying to do. It was just like I said, we were trying to capture moments. And I know it sounds sappy, but that's I'm more into that than like you know keeping up with trends and mm. predicting what will sound good on the radio. I just like to go for what feels right. And I think that works for a lot of artists. And he was just in a spot where it all came together and we could edit it down into radio formatable kind of goodness. So, Did you think it was going to be a hit? I thought there was like a bluesy number on there. I can't remember what it's called. It's terrible, but not the song. My memory is terrible. And I thought that's going to be his single. That's going to be the Matt Corby sort of song from this album. So I was surprised that that was the sort of lead and the standout definitely, but in a good way, just like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like didn't even try and we did something great. Um, Is he a one take wonder? Oh, look, it could be for my standards, but no, he's very meticulous. And like, I mean, that was the most time we spent was vocals. Like we were mixing and he'd be like, I need to redo yeah, right. So, so the mixing process is, is after the tracking process, you sort of – you want to be done with the tracking or doing your vocals yeah. by the time that you're mixing and uh, you get to that part and he'd go, we need to go back a step. Yeah, and I mean, Jen, like we were in a mixing studio so it wasn't s- super set up for recording as well. So it was kind of a curveball but, you know, we a couple of phone calls and you can set it up. But, yeah, it was like slightly inopportune time. But, I mean, look, if he's, if he's got to do it, he's got to do it. It was more, I suppose, letting him just make sure that he was giving what he felt was the best. And if he knew he'd tried, like if he goes, I've got one more thing I want to try and if it doesn't work, at least I know I tried. And I think, you know, as a producer, you got to let – if you stop artists doing that, even if it's absolutely, like, annoying where you're at, it's it just creates a blockage in the relationship that uh, – coming from I've been an artist and I know how it feels to have engineers or producers shutting you down. Another talent that you have, uh, you can make – anyone sort of feel relaxed in the studio. And I felt that um, firsthand. Oh, good. Thanks, so mate. that is so important for an artist who is trying to get their best work out there um, to, to know that <laughs> the producer's not throwing things at them or, yeah. you know, you're a very chill sort of dude. Yeah. I mean, look, come back in 10 years and I might be. <laughs> no, look, I, I, think, I think in life that that is just kind of the way to go for me. That's how I try and you want people to be comfortable, you, want, you know, happy, relaxed at their best, not stressed, worried, 
not knowing how you feel or whatever. So I, I find that's the best way to be. You are a very humble kind of fella. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, your career is also, it wasn't just all Matt Corby. I mean, the likes of Jay-Z, you've, uh, you've worked with him too. Well, I mean, so I, like, I did a, a good run at Studios 301 when I came out of the college, out of SAE. I got the internship which I was lucky enough for that to turn into a job within a few months. And then, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, the place in Australia when massive artists come over from any other country. If they want a studio in Sydney, that was the place to go. So I did get to cut my teeth on some pretty cool and exciting projects and meet some heroes. And, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool, really. When someone like him, you know, he's standing in front of you sort of working away, What's that like? Like, do you have that moment where you where you think back to that cassette that you were you're working on with your friends and go, hang on a second, how am I, how has this all happened? I do. I mean, it's it's weird how natural of a process it's been. I mean, I've worked really hard, but also, you know, once you find your groove in life, I think there's no stopping you. You know, it feels like a downhill roll most of the way. Sometimes it's uphill, but you don't have any doubts where you're like, oh, should I be here with? Oh Jay-Z? yeah, absolutely. Like I still have those doubts. Yeah, man. Like I'm only human. Like you kind of you're only as good as the last thing you've done. And if you've been quiet for a month, it's kind of hard to remember what that is and you know you're gonna is the next thing gonna be good enough for you to kind of rest on when it's done yeah no I mean I, I know what you mean by the time I was getting to those kind of jobs I think I was so I'd spent the first year pretending not to be starstruck because you know the first year I was there it was just band celebrity band celebrity actors everyone and studio 301 is the studio in in australia yeah it's it's a massive massive scale professional multi-room you know like it's what every studio was in the 80s basically and i mean it's just the space you know you've got a bunch of rooms a bunch of creatives people that can run for you so it's a good spot for people to come even if like we've had snoop come in a bunch of times and not really do a lot of work just kind of hang out make some beats there's so many people that would be like snoop Oh, he's oh in, he's yeah. In I mean, right, you do. Like, even when you're not doing it, because you're not going to do it, you're at work, but you're just like, man, I am talking to Snoop, Snoop Dogg. He's watching the cricket right now and standing <laughs> next to me. Like, you're like, this is That's amazing. That's a funny thing to think of. Snoop Dogg sitting there watching cricket. Man, he's, is- he's loving it. He's like, I don't understand it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember you telling me, um, how do I set this up? Producers write songs, they mix stuff, they get things sounding really good, but there's another thing that happens with producers and that's sitting around waiting doing nothing yeah there's a lot of that especially at the big <laughs> studios right mm-hmm. you're sitting around waiting for for big acts to arrive and sometimes they don't even turn up yeah and look i mean that's that's from the you know the assistant to the engineer to the grammy winning producer from that's flown over from the state like yeah it's just sometimes it's like well jay-z's not coming in now you got to wait to see if he's coming in later or Maybe they'll reschedule the next day at the last minute. Like, <laughs> And, I mean, you're talking days on end sometimes. I've spent like three days away. I think it was Black Eyed Peas actually. I had a couple of power naps when the V would run out. But, yeah, just heart palpitations. Okay, so you get a call. Black Eyed Peas are coming in. They're going to come into the studio anytime between now and next week. Is mm-hmm. that it? Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that happened a few times. But when they turn up, you're so glad you waited. You like you forget that you'd waited three days because that was one of the most – like they turn up about four in the morning this is one I did a live band uh, which I think was George Payon the lead the guitarist the leader of the band who's just 
inc- you know, was just the most phenomenal guitarist I'd ever witnessed and just a, a mind, just a producer mind, a songwriter. They turn up at, I think it was about 4, 4.30 a.m., load in and we had some really dodgy instruments set up because we didn't know what they wanted to do. So I had like a really bad Pearl Masters or maybe a cheap, I can't remember what it was, like a cheap kit, my kit basically, some amps and stuff. I remember the drummer walked in and just cracked up. He's like, is this, is this serious? I'm like, oh man, I just figured you'd bring in your own He's like, oh, let me play it. And he plays like, it's actually playing really nice. And yeah. he's, he loved it. But then they just tore up, like played, and he wrote maybe four or five tunes by eight o'clock in the morning start to finish parts in there and one of them was like this he's like i want to write a, a fifa theme i want to try and get a fifa theme so they wrote this kind of cool you know brazilian sort of sounding i don't know what brazilian sounding is but yeah. it made me feel like i was in brazil um and then like pitch that to fifa and like just all this cool stuff and just like that was the most amazing session i'd ever done and just like the nicest dude obviously they're phenomenal musicians is there anyone that stands out in your mind whether they're you know, famous or they're not, or someone that you had sort of seen in the studio and been wowed by? Um, there's so many. Like, I honestly, like, it's one of the cool things about what I do. I remember, like, I work with Flea and... He, the Chili Peppers. Yeah, man. Wow. They came, hide out the whole studio. So you had Frushanti was in one studio with my buddy Mike Morgan, who's another engineer, and Josh Klinghoff was in there, and they were working on some stuff together. And Flea was upstairs with me making a song for a Bootsy Collins, like, bass tribute album thing. And he kind of did a bunch of bass ideas, and we all know what, you know, we've all, we all know Flea's a bass monster. But then he would just, like, go, oh, is there, you know, is there a guitar? And just play a guitar. I'm like, oh, man, I, of course, I suppose it's a, just like a bass. But then he played his trumpet. I knew he played trumpet, but just how proficient he was. Kind of just, you know, anything he's doing, he's like, okay, I'm beatboxing, and he's internal, like, rhythm like he yeah. could lay down a beat from his voice over the top of a, a track he played on trumpet and it would be perfectly in sync and i'd look at it and it would grid like it would be you know meticulously Far aligned enough. to him so yeah perfectly in time. just yeah like he's just yeah it's just uh, he's a magical creature flea that's all i can say he was magical he had this magical energy coming off him very cool i remember watching a documentary and this lady in the dock it was it was a nirvana documentary and they were she hadn't met Kurt Cobain yet, but she said the same thing about him. She said that he was magical, and there was like an there was like a some sort of aura about him, yeah. just staring at him and going, "Oh my god!" Like not only is it Kurt Cobain, but there was just something different happening yeah. with him. Yeah, it's absolutely a thing. I mean, I've you know, you've, I felt that on lots of people. Like it's a, a tangible presence. You know, yeah. like I remember we went once Beyonce just kind of drifted into the room and it was the same thing it was just this like just aura that one got me i won't yeah. lie I, I was like hello she's like hi how are you i'm like and just, i just heard everyone crack up at me and then when i went back eventually went back in they just gave me so much crap i'm like yeah it's beyonce yeah. like yeah we know also surprise element like if you know they're coming you prepare yourself you go yeah. through their catalog you practice your sp- what you're gonna say to them and, i mean and you do but that was just caught me off guard i was just like Oh, man. What was she doing in the studio that day? There was like a massive tour that Jay-Z was here for. I think it was Rock the Block. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was. So there was like Rihanna. and So he had a bunch of people that I, he'd bring into the studio all the time. And, you know, I was meeting all these people. It was just like, wow, this is like a who's who of like yeah. just 
cool entertainment, you know. And she was really nice too. Like you, you could see how embarrassed I was about the whole thing. <laughs> Did you go red or? I left before I know what colour I went. But <laughs> no, I just I just pulled myself together and went back. It's like, all right, I got a job to do. It's Beyonce, man. Like of it was course. crazy. Yeah, I reckon everyone would be the same, if not worse. So I think you did pretty well. Now we were talking Studio 31 up, but uh, – Great studio that's in Sydney uh, and it has been for years. One Flight Up, uh, that's where I was recording with you all that time mm-hmm. ago. Um, how, how are things at One Flight Up going? Yeah, things are going good. The studio's moved now, not far away from where it was. Um, Nick's built a really great space down the road, which is amazing. Like, it sounds amazing. He's a lovely fella, Nick. He's, he's, a, good, he's a good man. Guy. He's looked after me. Yeah, it was one of those great sort of... Uh, you know, partnerships that you just stumble on. I just kind of yeah, went through yeah, our one move. You have been together for, for yeah. I think it was like 2016 or the end of 2016. And I started working there in 2017, and then we just you know he's he just really looks out. Like he he's an engineer, so he understands. That's kind of his main concern is like making sure that I'm happy and everything's working and it's really nice. I mean, you don't get that in every studio because they're bigger and there's a lot of moving parts but because it's just him and I. And clientele, has it changed from the back end of the pandemic? Like uh, are, you, are you working with just solo artists or are you finding that you work with more bands? Um, how has that changed or has it changed? For me, it's definitely changed, yeah. I think, you know, you always see things from your own little bubble and stuff, your own tower, but it does seem like there's been a bit of a shift towards more of the solo thing. I know there's still bands, but I also find with a lot of them it's sort of driven creatively by one or two people. Yeah. I suppose with bands it was hard to jam during the pandemic. Yeah. Together yeah. in rooms. So I suppose that's maybe that's the reason more solos are, are I, coming out. I think so. I think it just, yeah, pushed a lot of people to like, I don't want to stop making music. I mean, that's most of the people I'm talking about. I know that were like, I don't want to stop, but my band's not going to do anything for a while. We might not have shows. So I'm going to focus on finishing my album I started two years ago or writing a whole bunch of new stuff because I've got time and I'm at home. Well, Tim Carr, thank you very much for uh, inviting me into your home the one that you built yourself. <laughs> and, yeah, really interesting chat. Uh, you're a great fellow. You do great things for the music scene. I'm blushing. Um, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. If you want to check out Tim Carr, he's at uh, One Flight Up Studios. Um, and let's go and get some burgers. Thanks, Big Sean. Let's do this. Yeah, that is Tim Carr. He is an extraordinary dude. He's a great fella. And if you want to get involved or maybe you're in a band or you're an artist or whatever and you want some new recordings done he can mix he can master he can track he does it all uh i'll leave a link in the show notes for you to get in contact with tim like i said he's a great dude all right it's time for this yes this is the part of the show where you can write on in it's called letters go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters you write it i might read it out uh usually i do read it out but I, I always sort of put that disclaimer there just in case someone sort of uh, calls me every name under the sun and I have to <laughs> read through it and, uh, and, and decided to trash it. Anyways, this is a message from Chris. He says, Hey, you going? I've been listening to your potty recently and fuck yeah. Really enjoying it. Specifically, the Fletcher Drag and Lindsay McDougall episodes have also since become a Ritzy Kids fan. Love me some new music. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be able to scoop up a new fan, however we do it, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, or this podcast. I, I didn't even realize, obviously, I, I talk about the band at the end of each episode. You know, I only do that just in case anyone else 
really gives a shit. And it's nice to see that you've followed through the funnel, I suppose, as they say in the marketing world, and uh, gone and checked out the band. Thank you so much for your message. Don't forget, if you want to write a letter in, Click in the show notes right now or go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. I've said this before. I want to know who's listening. I want to know where you are. I want to know what you've been doing. I want to know, I don't know, what your favorite meal is. Anything you want to write, you can write on into the show. Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that as well at the website. You can become a member for as little as $4 a month. Get yourself a mug to drink out of what I'm really offering and and a few other things. You'll see it if you go and check out the website. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed a bit of a recap. I know I've done two recaps now. I'm still chasing uh, some, some artists. So I've got a few in the can. I've got a few dates booked. I've got a few things scheduled. But I am always looking for new artists. Maybe you should request someone that I should interview. Just go and do that at the website as well. The website is the... Is the house for everything. It houses all of the things that you want me to do. Go to the website. All right. If you've got nothing to do this Friday night, make your way out to Gosford Leagues. The Ritzy Kids, my band. Hopefully, maybe Chris can come on. Chris, maybe you can come along. I don't know where you are. I think you might be in the UK. But if you were to leave now, you could come and catch us in action. The Gosford Leagues Club, car park. Great to see you. If not, I will hopefully have your ears here same time next week. Until then, have a great week. Ta-da. Ta-da.